Do you go double kibasi? It's been known to happen. Holy crap! I mean, I can see you taking two kibasis at once in college, but probably not on the sandwich. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Pirates are six games out of first place in the National League Central. The National League Central leading Chicago Cubs are in town. Their best pitcher went yesterday. Their next best pitcher is scheduled, was scheduled to go today in Tampa. He's in town. He bought an Antonio Brown jersey, but he's not going to pitch today against the Cubs. Oh, Pirates, you made me happy yesterday, but now I'm already irritated. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. We've got Brian LaMartina back in the studio. We've got Shirtless Tom behind the glass. We've got Wes here on site. Wes the mess. And I'm at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. And we'll get to the Steelers. we got Dale Lally joining us at 5. We'll have the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by 2B Determined. We'll do that at 5.20. We've got Rob Ross who wants to talk about my column today in the Pittsburgh City Paper, which was about the Steelers' stinky defense at 5.40. But before we do all that, the Pirates have knocked the Steelers off of the front page. Chris Archer is going to start Friday for the Bucks. He'll be wearing number 24, so not the 22 that Andrew McCutcheon wore, which, oh, so close. The only way it could have been made more perfect is if he did wear 22 with those dreads coming out of the back of the hat. I mean, that would have looked damn cool, and that would have signified a new era I think it signifies a new era anyhow. I watched a lot of MLB Network last night. Brian Kenny is the resident sabermetrician that they've got there. He does a show called MLB Now. They break down all the numbers, and I like Brian. He's opinionated. He's good. He uses numbers. But sometimes the numbers don't tell the full story. I've also seen a couple of other places today rank the Pirates trade as a B-minus or lower because of the haul that they gave up in Tyler Glass now in Austin Meadows. And one of the reasons that Brian Kenny does this and one of the reasons that a couple of other outlets have had the Pirates ranked so low is because of the sabermetrics, because of the numbers that Tyler Glass now has put up in terms of strikeouts per nine and fastball velocity and this, that, the other. Man, sometimes you just got to use your eyes. Sometimes you just got to say that guy isn't what the numbers indicate. Now, sometimes the numbers prove that a player's going to wind up being better. Maybe that's the case with Tyler Glass now. But the thing that all of these outlets seem to miss is this. He wasn't going to work in Pittsburgh ever again. And it never worked before. He's got good stuff. He throws the ball hard. He can get swings and misses. He can strike guys out. But you know what? He couldn't find the zone consistently enough for me to believe ever in Pittsburgh it was going to work out, and the ship had sailed. Obviously, they moved him, but they stuck him in the bullpen and not in a high-leverage role. The guy was never going to be successful here, no matter what his sabermetrics tell you, no matter what the peripheral numbers say. He wasn't going to work out. So for that reason, I say 
Oh my God. Not giving up Keller and instead giving up Glass now? That's a hell of a freaking move. You also have guys like Brian Kenny and a bunch of other national outlets saying, this Austin Meadows kid, he's a very good player. Pirates giving up a lot here. And okay, Meadows had a good couple of weeks in Pittsburgh. He can be, and I think will be, a good major league ball player. He's good defensively. He can hit for some power. I like him. But the Pirates traded from a position of strength. They've got Dickerson. They've got Marte. They've got Polanco. When you get rid of a Meadows, it's okay because you've got those guys. It's like if the Penguins, and I don't want this to happen, but if they traded Derek Broussard, you'd say, okay, well, they've got pretty good center depth. You always want to trade from a position of strength. and The Pirates have been loath to do so. Well, now they did it. And people are still going to complain nationally and even some locally. Well, they sure did give up a lot. No. No, they didn't. Why do we do this thing? And I don't know if it's a national thing or a local thing that we do here in Pittsburgh. But we do this thing where we always make the player that leaves, that gets traded, the best player of all time. Ian Cole was the greatest defenseman of all time. Move aside, Bobby Orr. Ian Cole is the best. Well, no, Ian Cole was fine, but he was just a guy. He's just a guy. Yeah, just your run-of-the-mill bottom pair defenseman. Get him the hell out of here. It's fine. It's okay when you lose a guy. It's okay when Tyler Glass now gets traded. It's okay when Austin Meadows gets traded. It's not as if Austin Meadows is the next Ken Griffey Jr., and I don't think that Tyler Glass now is the next Randy Johnson. So take a deep breath. Relax. Boy, did replay save the Bucks' ass last night. Oh, my God. Addison Russell, what the hell are you doing? I don't know why I'm upset. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's what got the Pirates to within six games of the National League Central lead. He overslid the bag going for a triple in the ninth inning with no outs. You can't make the first or third out at third base. You can't do it. Not in that situation. Horrendous. The Cubs have an opportunity with a guy on third and nobody out if he just doesn't overslide the bag. But if he does what he should have done and he behaves conservatively, the Cubs have a guy on second base with no outs. And all you need is a single to get him in. Replay saved their butts. And I'm a big believer in the spirit of the rule. I hate seeing a guy ruled out just because he slides over the bag. He got in there before the initial tag. We all know he's really safe, but he's not. And the reason why these things are in the rules, the reason why these things are able to be reviewed is because, well, in a crucial game, in a pennant race, you got to get it right. So maybe I'm wrong on replay. I don't think I need to see it before the seventh inning, though. More on that, never, because it's not that interesting. For the Pirates' front office, yesterday was not about winning. They're going to say it was, and this is certainly going to help them do that. Chris Archer, Keone Kella, those players are going to help the Pirates win. But for the Buccos, for the upper management, for Bob Nutting and Frank Coonley and Neil Huntington, yesterday was not about picking up players that you know are going to help. It was about picking up players that you knew were going to get the fan base excited. Hell, when Keone Kella got picked up, 
when they made the move, they sent Taylor Hearns to the Rangers. I had shirtless Tom blowing me up in my text messages. The F they doing, man. The F they doing. We hear that they're in on these guys, but yet they're going out and they're getting a reliever. It's not sexy. It's not sexy. And you know what? It was the right move. And if that's the only move they did yesterday, they still would have improved. And they'd be a better ball club today than they were a couple of days ago. But the administration, the regime, if you will, of Coonley and Nutting and Huntington, they knew that if they didn't do something else, that's what was going to be said. Well, we did improve the club. Yeah, we didn't improve it enough. They needed to do this for public relations reasons. They needed to do this to make this city believe that this baseball team wants to win. And as far as I'm concerned, doesn't matter if Archer wins a baseball game. doesn't matter if Keone Kella goes out and blows 50 saves over the course of his Pirates career. It doesn't matter. The Pirates went all in, and that's what matters. Hell, people saw the results of Jay Happ when the Pirates won eight of his starts down the stretch, and he was maybe the best pitcher in baseball, and they still said, eh, didn't do enough to deadline. That didn't make the sexy move. Well, now I say if the opposite happens, if these good players perform poorly, they'll still have done enough. Now, this does not eliminate all the wrong things the Pirates have done over the years. It does not eliminate my disdain for the organization for what they did after 2015. I mean, Jonathan Neese, I want to throw myself out of the press box now. Give me a break. I'm not going to forgive them based on one day, but we're going to see attendance increase. We are going to see this city fall in love with the baseball team this summer. It's going to happen. Every town has fan, bandwagon fans. Every town has fair weather fans. This town is no exception. And this town has had a bunch of people watching baseball. Sixth in the attendance numbers last I saw. I don't check them every day. I don't have a means of doing so. But people were watching. Now they're going to start coming out. I actually think it's a bad move for the Pirates to start Archer on Friday. Should start him today. I mean, it's Cubs, first of all. But I think you want the attendance boost. People are going to come on a Friday anyhow, aren't they? People are going to come on a Saturday and a Sunday anyhow, aren't they? Uh, I think that they're more inclined to show up on those days. So why not on a Wednesday? I think that's what day it is. Why not on a Wednesday? Put that guy on the mound. Have a huge walk-up crowd. Get what you can out of it there. And in the weekend series, you're going to get the people in there that were already going to be in there. I think that's the move. Now, from a pure baseball standpoint, I'd have liked to see them pitch him against the Cubs. Well, he needs time to calibrate. He needs time to uh, assimilate to Pittsburgh. Eh, give me a break. Get him in here. He, he knows how to throw a baseball. Go to the bullpen, warm up, pitch. It's not that hard. Well, it's tough. He gets moved. No, it's really not. It's like a road trip. Hey, he's throwing to a different catcher. Fine. Is it really going to change all that much if he pitches on Friday? No, put him out there against the Cubs. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Tim Ben's going to be joining us in about 10 minutes here on the Crowley Show. The clubhouse was rejuvenated. Musgrove was on with the DVE morning show today, and you could sense that he was fired up. He said so much. He said so much about the clubhouse being fired up. Francisco Cervelli said yesterday on the game broadcast, we don't come here to lose. We're for real. We are family. Get ready for this. Not only does this trade help the Pirates and their relationship with the fans, 
But this trade helps the Pirates in their relationship with the players. It helps Neil Huntington be able to walk into the clubhouse and not get treated like he's a pariah. He can walk down there. Guys are probably going to give him high fives and put him on their back. And you know what? Neil Huntington should be putting them on his back. Neil Huntington should be hugging them. Neil Huntington got lucky. I said it yesterday on the show, and I'm going to get into it in more detail as we go ahead in the program today. But Neil Huntington, if he had so much belief in this team, well, I don't buy it when they were seven games under 500. Uh, I don't think that he did believe in the team uh, at that point. How could you? I didn't. You didn't. Anybody who says that they did is lying unless you're Tim Williams of PiratesProspects.com. Then you always believe in the team no matter what's going on. Uh, I don't think that you believed. I don't think that he believed. I don't think that Coonley believed. I don't think that Bob Nutting believed. And now all of a sudden, you win 16 out of 20, and Neil Huntington goes out and he makes the biggest couple of splashes that the Pirates have made maybe ever. He's lucky. Well, now the core's in place. We're excited about this core. You've got Dickerson. You've got Marte. You've got Polanco. Now you've got Archer and Tyon. You've got Keller coming up. You've got the Seinfeld infield. They're all coming up. All of a sudden, there are things to be excited about. All of a sudden, this core matters. All of a sudden, he cares about this core. But had the Pirates gone 10-10 and 10 instead of 16-4, and 4, how are things looking today? And yeah, you can argue, of course, that Neil Huntington built this ball club, but I don't think he was he's all that far removed from having thoughts of I'm going to tear this bitch down. He can't, right? I mean, at the end of June, he had to have been thinking, "Okay, what could I get for A B C D E F G?" Everybody, who's untouchable. And now all of a sudden he's a winner. It's luck. There's a lot of luck involved. And God bless him, he did the right thing. But yes, a lot of luck is involved. Coming up next, we'll talk to Tim Benz about the Bucks and only the Bucks. I'm not interested in the Steelers right now. We'll do them in the second hour, unless you want to talk about Steelers. Tim might want to talk about Steelers. We'll talk about whatever we talk about, but mainly Bucks. Coming up next, you're listening to The Crowley Show. Adam Crowley. Uh, I want to talk about what the hell you guys are doing on that cheese because I, I really don't want to Google condoms, noses on my uh, work computer. So The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Yesterday, letting me know that we're on this time. Now we're on. Nice to know that Tom is letting me know that we're on. Hey, what are you talking about? Theater of the mind, Tim. I'm supposed to be the first guy that talks. What happened there? This is this is a train wreck, Tim. Ben's well, when I talk us. on the air and I not don't know that I'm on the air, then I'm going to be preemptive and make sure I'm the first one talking when I know we're on the air, so that you can control what yes. the conversation is and where it goes. It's easier to do this in person than on the phone. We haven't done too many of these in person; only a couple. Well, yeah, we haven't, and yet for whatever reason, it's still not going off to a good start. Uh, you know what we don't have in here, which is similar to the studio back in Green Tree, is a uh, functioning television. We do not. And I can't see football from here either because we're so far away from the players practicing. I can't see anything. My vision is trash, and the Steelers are 
practicing on the field that is the third farthest from us, so I'm, I haven't been able to catch anything today, which stinks. I usually like to take a couple notes here and there as I'm watching them in the first field, but we'll get to the Steelers. Although, you know what? No, let's start with them. I heard some grumbling from some of the fans as I was walking through to come up here to the press box. People upset that they had staked out a spot what they thought was prime seating, only to have the players be this far away. Hey, Steelers PR Burt, he did everything he could by tweeting it out earlier on in the day. Go oh, over to the other side. Oh, did he do that? He did. There you go. Come on, fans. Pay attention. Get oh. on Twitter, because there's just not enough people on Twitter. That's one thing I think every day is, you know what? More people should be on Twitter. Tim, I almost actually got off of Twitter yesterday after I saw the strip club video with Le'Veon oh. Bell. That was... Nasty, man. I'll give Mark Madden credit for the line of the day. It looked like someone put on golf spikes and trampled in cottage cheese. <laughs> and honestly, I it looked like a golf ball on steroids. The worst is that the second that the video ends is what is facing you when it ends. Everybody's talking about Le'Veon Bell's judgment. Like, didn't he show poor judgment by being filmed in a strip club. No, he showed poor judgment in his choice of stripper. Do you know, that was on Miami Beach, too. How does that happen? Also, bad judgment by whoever hired the stripper in Miami Beach. You could do better than that. You know it was his fiance that filmed it. I mean, like, you get nothing but first-round draft choices when it comes to Miami Beach strippers. That's like taking Jermaine, it might have been Jermaine Stevens, but that's like <laughs> taking Jermaine Stevens in the first round. We did the cheese tease yesterday with Tom doing the stripping, and Tom, without a doubt, without a doubt, has a better ass than that woman. See, I didn't see her cheese tease yesterday. Oh. Did, did he leave the shirt on and take the pants off? Because that would have been apropos. He took the shirt off and the pants off. Oh. Thong? Boxers. Oh, we should have gone thong! Yeah, you could have gotten away with thong. I don't think the internet's ready for Tom's ass in a thong. We didn't have one. We tried. Who Man. would lend Tom a thong, and how would you do it? I could have swiped one from my wife. <laughs> There's no way it would have fit. See now, ex oh, there you go. You just bailed yourself out. I did. You probably took a tick or two too long there before you did, but at least you figured out where I was going to go next. Well, the pause there was because I was still thinking about Tom in the thong. Yeah, I can see that. Could delay your response a touch. How dumb is Le'Veon, though, that his wife is there, or his future wife is there. She's the one that filmed it. That, Maybe that's what she's into. I mean, that's fine. She can work for DKPittsburghSports.com, but I don't understand how he's just letting that happen. Like, how he, he doesn't know. he doesn't know. care. Well. He's not in a contract. He's not violating anything. He doesn't care what this team thinks about him. The worst thing they're going to do is yank the franchise tag from him, and that's what he wants anyway. Right? What does he care? So he goes to a strip club and grabs dad ass, as his coach so famously said about the New England Patriots. He grabs dad ass. What, are the Jets not going to give him $17 million now? Are the Browns not going to? The Browns are talking to Pac-Man and Dez. You think the Browns aren't going to give him $17 million next season? I would question his hands, though, Tim. Well, now I think they're more prepared than they were at this point last year. He's obviously working on his grip. It, he he does not have any touch though. I mean, it was a little. I mean, that it to me, Le'Veon Bell's not good in bed. Oh, you figured that out by looking I at did. the video. I did. Um, that's a leap I'm not willing to take. I was eating yesterday when Brian showed me the video. Oh my god. Oh my god. I mean, no more eating. Yeah. Um, she might have. I'm trying to think. Like, okay, the the analogy that I drew. 
to somebody when we were talking about this was, if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's girlfriend, the 41-year-old porn star that he's going out with. Yeah, I wasn't into that either. Yeah. What was your name again? Mia Korea, Korea Mia? Yes. Kiara Mira? Or whatever. I keep screwing it up. Keone, Keone yeah. Kella? Oh, you know what? She's got a 23-year-old daughter that's an Instagram model. This is the play by Garoppolo. I talked about oh. this on Madden's show. I finally figured it out. The 23-year-old daughter is a smoke show. He's trying to pull a Mayday Malone. He's trying to pull a Sam Malone, which I know is a Cheers reference that you don't get. No, I love Cheers. Oh, you know Cheers. I know Cheers. So you saw the episode where he pulled yeah. the mother-daughter combo. Yes. That's what Jimmy that's Garoppolo is trying to do. Okay. That's the power play. If that's the case, then it's totally fine if he goes for the mom. Yes. Yeah, give it give it 15 minutes your best love and get the hell out of here. Well, okay, now here's, here's a dynamic question, and I'll, I'll open this up to the group if Tom and Brian want to chime in on this. They can both hear us, right, and they can both talk to us down they the can. line? They can. Okay, all right. So... What is the greater risk if you're trying to pull the mother-daughter combo? And w which side is more likely to be pissed off worse? If you're with the daughter first and then you go to the mom, or you're with the mom first and then you go to the daughter? I would think, I would be inclined to believe that if you were with the mom first and then went to the daughter, that would be worse. Am I right or no? I think you can't be with the daughter and then go to the mom. So you're opposite me. Then. Yeah, I think that. The, Why's that? I think the daughter's gonna get all kind of pissed if you start sticking it in her mom. Oh, and I'm not good enough for you. You got to go to that model. Although I guess you could say it the other way. Yeah. Oh, oh, I guess I'm a little too old for you there. Yeah. Well, you guys know the old adage. Uh, he left me for a younger woman. Imagine if that you're reminded that every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, and every holiday. I think the mother would come strong, and you, you might actually be risking like bodily harm at that point. Like, the daughter, you would have resentment. The mom, you would have your feelings hurt. Her feelings hurt. You know what I mean? Like, it would be an emotional scarring thing for the mom. If it was the daughter, she'd be mad, and she wouldn't quite understand it. I think the mom understanding what took place, that she got traded in for a newer model, that would be... Because women dealing with aging, eh, it's a problem. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, same with her, although she probably doesn't think that she's aged because of all the work that's been done. I mean, Mira? I yes, mean yeah. to be fair, guys, I'm, a, I'm, I'm making my assumption here under, under the assumption that uh, both of them is off the table. Well, she's got sort of a table backside, doesn't she, Kiara? <laughs> like, you can eat dinner on that thing. That's how she got known, you know, was to do a parody of um, Kim Kardashian. She was Kim Kardashian in a parody. So if you were to rank them, it would be daughter of Keona Kella. Yeah. Yes. Daughter, Kiara Mira. Oh. Grandmother of Kiara Mira. And then whatever love was touching. Oh, God. In that order, descending. Tim Benz joining us here on the Crowley Show. Tim, let's... That concludes the football talk. Yes. The... Yes, we nailed that football talk. Yeah. I'm sure Jimmy Garoppolo loved to... What? Shove it up the middle. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna make a Jimmy Garoppolo banging porn star joke, but and I you lost it. Didn't I you? lost it right in the middle of it. Let's just, just sort of like Mason Rudolph's first pass here at training camp. It just flopped out of your hand. Yes. All right. Well, it shouldn't be flopping in your hand. Anyway, Tim Benz joins us here Very on the well. Crowley Show. At the end, it should, Adam. <laughs> just go talk to me about baseball because I know that's what you want to do anyway. How do you know? <laughs> How does anybody know? You only know because you knew beforehand. Nobody has any clue what I'm trying to talk about right now. What the hell happened yesterday, man? I've, I don't know if I've ever been more stunned. And I, I don't want to get caught in the hyperbole express, but 
I, I was not seeing that coming at all. I didn't think they'd give up Meadows. I thought if they could give up Meadows, they might try to do it. If they could avoid giving up Meadows, they might try to do it. I'm not stunned that they got Kella, the relief mm-hmm. pitcher from Texas. And when they did that, my, my instinct was that's probably all they're going to do. But when Archer was still out there midday, I thought maybe the price had come down to the point that they would do it. I thought I kept hearing throughout the day that they were still in the mix. And I thought that must have been because every other team in Major League Baseball was spooked off by his poor record this year and his poor stats this year. So that was my thinking. And then when I found out what they gave up, ugh, I got a little dicey on that because I had written in advance, I want them to get Archer. I just don't want them to give up Meadows to do it. Because at that point, it's not about me saying, oh, I gotta, you got to hold on to the prospects. I'm not that guy. I'm not Tim Williams, pirate prospect guy who thinks that every single player in the minors is going to turn out to be a Hall of Famer. You know, I'm not one of these guys who looks at the prospect as a shiny, unwrapped toy and sees them for everything they could be, and then you see them take 50 swings, and you figure out what all their warts are, and then you want to get rid of them. Like, I'm not that guy. But I will say that I look at Meadows as a major league player now. Because at least in the way I was thinking about the Pirates going into the trade deadline yesterday... My belief was not only are they not going to do much, they're probably not going to keep Corey Dickerson either. Because why would you keep him in his arbitration year when you can get productivity from a player who got a sniff in the majors, who was a first-round draft choice, that you were apparently going to commit to, just have that guy take over in left field because you're going to pay him less and you've got plans for him anyway. So start going with it as opposed to paying Corey Dickerson whatever he's going to make in arbitration. Trade him for more prospects after a good year. So... They deal Meadows, and I'm thinking to myself now, okay, great, you got Archer, that's fantastic. I'm in favor of bringing Archer on board to help the rotation. But I think the next domino that has to fall is they've either got to keep Corey Dickerson yes. or if they lose him, they've got to replace him with somebody who is just as good. You know what I mean? If they don't sign him, they've got to be at least ready to pay the arbitration tag, which might be eh, heavier than they want. Yes, and they have to do that. If they don't do that, then... You can get you can you could be mad. I mean, you could be upset about it. You can say we had our uh, right fielder, left fielder, center fielder, wherever the hell you want to play him. You've got your probably left. You've got your Austin Meadows. Um, but if you don't wind up keeping him, then yeah, that is a, that is a problem. I think that they are going to wind up keeping him, though. I do think that they're going to try to work out an extension because it's the only way it makes sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense to give up Meadows, especially not the way that they covet prospects. And he's a prospect slash major leaguer. If they're going to give him up, then it has to mean, in my mind, that they've already had conversations with Dickerson. It means that I think that they're going to make that. Uh, I don't know about that. No? No, I don't know about but that. But they're so loath to okay. give up prospects that... Well, understand this, though, because I don't want to be too insidious about this or you know, act like they're being too deceptive on a day where everybody is praising them. But I'm also a realist, so look at it this way. We're bending over backwards to say they've changed their ways. Now, I don't want to get them in trouble for something they haven't done yet by giving up on Corey Dickerson, but I'm also not going to take my 20-plus years of watching and covering this team and flush it down the toilet and be naive about it either because... Well, okay. well hold on, because think, think about this. They've got Archer, they're, so they're adding Archer's payroll, right? Right. But if you think about it, Archer coming on board for what Dickerson would have cost if they had kept him, minus as well what they didn't keep in Garrett Cole, you know, it still kind of might be in the black on this. Well, okay, that's fair, but they did sign 
Cervelli to an extension. I don't see that di- being all that different from this. They did sign Liriano to an extension. I don't see that being all that different Nova. from this. Nova to an extension. I don't see that being all that different from this. So you go out and you do what you just did with those veterans with this veteran. I don't think it's all that far away from the realm of possibility that they get it done. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility, but... You're not going to give them credit for it before it happens. I'm not going to blame them for something they haven't done yet. I'm not going to give them credit for something they haven't done yet either. I tweeted the only thing that could have made yesterday better, Tim, is if they did sign Corey Dickerson. 4.30, 5 o'clock, extension, let's go. Well, hey, look, I'm not even saying that they. it's smart to do it yet. I'd like to see it at the end of the season, though. Like, if he's still a 300 hitter and doing things for him in the top six of the lineup and a... a I don't know, a catalyst or at least a component as to why they make the playoffs, then they should do it because this is now a baseball move. You have now made baseball moves. Right. And once you start making baseball moves, You're expected to you make have more. to keep making baseball yep. moves or else it stands out all the more as to why you aren't doing so. Hence the the outrage, the rancor that we saw after 2015 when they did what they did in the offseason going into 2016 when they started picking the team apart. Yeah, you're right about that. And it's something we actually talked about in the pre-show meeting I'm going to bring up coming up in the next segment. If you go back to being the Pirates the way that the Pirates have been the Pirates over the last, since 2011, whenever they were pseudo-good, then this means nothing. It's just a blip on the radar, and it's a feel-good day in what is a lifetime of awful as being a Pirates fan. Uh, Tim, you said you're writing tomorrow. Not, yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Yeah, for uh, sure. Breakfast with Ben's. Yeah. That you talked to Corey uh, to Corey Frazier to Adam Frazier. Corey uh, Frazier is that the third Corey from the 1990s, along with Corey Hayman and Corey Feldman. There's a Corey Frazier too. What about Corey from Boy Meets World? See, I do the other thing. I don't. I don't do Corey Frazier. I do Kevin Frazier with the Newman Seinfeld. Yes, guys. with Kramer and Newman. I always do that. I always call one of them Kevin Frazier. I just call them like the, the guy Seinfeld guys because e. I screw it up every time. Yeah, it's, it's smarter to do it that way. It's a problem. Yeah, so Adam Frazier told me that he thinks one of the reasons why the chemistry is so much better in the locker room. Actually, I'll take it back one step further. The reason that they're in the position that they're in right now so that Neil went out and acquired guys at the deadline is because this locker room sustained a bad stretch of losing better than other locker rooms that he has been a part of. And he said the reason, in part, that this locker room is so much better than other locker rooms that he's been a part of is that the relationship between the Latino and non-Latino guys is far better than what we have seen in recent years. Now, I interpret that to mean that Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole hate Latino guys. Is that how you interpret that? <laughs> I was going to say, that does, that does paint those two gentlemen in a poor light, doesn't it? Well, no, see, like, that's, as I'm writing this column, I'm thinking... Look, I remember when when I was in Boston, there was a headline in the Boston Globe one day, the Red Sox stink and it's all A.J. Pierzynski's fault, <laughs> which was kind of true, actually, now that I look back at it. But, you know, it, it was low-hanging fruit. He was the new guy on a team that had just gone to the playoffs the year before and won the World Series. He comes on board with a bad attitude and everything sucks, so everybody was blaming him. This can't all just be about Kutch and Cole leaving, and Frazier wouldn't go so far as to say that. But, you know... Cole wanted out. He did, although now he's in Houston. He's got to hang out with a bunch more of those guys down there. In everyday life, the Mexicans. Oh, no, I'm saying that. I'm, no, I'm not I talking know, about, the, I'm not I talking know. about the Hispanic part of it. I'm talking about the fact <laughs> well, that he, he was, was, you couldn't swing a dead cat at PNC Park without hitting somebody telling you that he, could, he just couldn't wait to get out. He's counting the days until arbitration. Well, and that's why all the people who were saying, well, the Pirates, they get Archer, but they gave up on Cole. Well, part of it has to be the player wanting to be there, too, and creating the culture of wanting to hang around. And I think Kutch was beaten down. I, I think Kutch 
was really fearful of going through the last few years of his career enduring what he had endured in previous seasons. And that move made sense to me from the get-go because you just don't want to be paying a guy for the downside. Now, of I'll ask you this. To cl- you can carry this into the next segment if you like. Well, maybe I will. Maybe are I they, won't. Are they 2014 or are they 2011? I think they're – because 20 and 4 – you said 16 and 4. Are they 16 and 4 or 17 and 4? I thought they were 17 and I four. went 20 games, so. Oh, okay. Because I think – well, 17 and 4 was the number in September of 2014 when they launched themselves in the playoffs. I think so that they, they that are. Team or they, because that team didn't acquire anybody at the deadline. They did acquire people at the deadline this year. So in 2011, they got Ludwig and uh, Derek Lee, and they fell off a cliff. I think they're somewhere in between. Uh, I don't think they're a team that's going to take off. I think they're one that's going to finish maybe a few games above 500. I don't think they make the playoffs this year. I think the reason that these moves were so good is because it helps them up, helps them the next couple of years as well. That's Tim Benz. Good stuff, Tim. Sorry, I, I just had that golf ball ass back in my oh, brain again. And I it? had forgotten it. I was so happy. Coming up next... Does this make you forgive the past? Does this make you, these moves, forgive the Pirates' downfalls before, pitfalls before that they went down? To me, it doesn't. Uh, I'm not going to forgive them for their past mistakes, and I'll tell you why next. It's the Crowley Show. Radio Station. The Adam Crowley Show. I'm with you, and you know what? That'd be an even better point than your cheese piece today. And that's saying something, because your cheese pieces are unbelievable. Thank you, sir. they're my favorite thing on Twitter. Adam Crowley. Oh, yeah. On ESPN Pittsburgh. I am a scorned Pirates fan. I am still hurting from 2015. I'm still hurting from Madison Bumgarner. I'm still hurting from Jake Arrieta. Still hurting from thinking about Jonathan Neese. Yesterday doesn't change any of that. It does make me have hope that the future can be better, though, than the past. I don't know if they're going to continue to make good baseball moves. They will make some moves that'll be good. They'll make some moves that'll be bad. I hope, though, that they can make moves that make them look like an actual baseball team. And if they do, then I can get closer to forgiving the Pittsburgh Pirates. But if they go back to their old ways, then this was just a husband buying flowers for his wife on an anniversary whenever he's a terrible guy the rest of the year. That's what it is. It's a husband who sucks, who buys flowers and says, you know what, everything's going to be okay, and they avoid therapy for another year. That's all it is. Unless maybe his behavior is changed. Unless he does start bringing flowers, and he stops staying at the bar, and he stops cheating on her. And I hope that that's the way the Pirates go. I hope that they continue to make baseball moves and make me feel like a real baseball fan. First time I ever felt like a real baseball fan was when the Pirates signed Andrew McCutcheon to that extension. When they did that, I thought, okay, this is what a real Major League team does. And yesterday, it felt like that's what a real Major League team does. And if you sign Corey Dickerson to an extension to a deal... That feels like what a real Major League team does. But if you don't do those things moving forward, and if you go back to the other ways, and you bring up a prospect, or you find a cheap alternative, and you say, you know what, arbitration's too expensive for Corey Dickerson, then, man, I'm not going to forgive him. And I'll go back to wearing my Block C Cleveland Indians cap. Hell, I might even throw on the Chief Wahoo. 
I might. I'd be more down with that than I would be the way the Pirates are running the organization over here. All right, that's not true. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. You can tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We'll get back to that in a few minutes. We've got Dale Lolly joining us in 13 minutes here on the Crowley Show to discuss everything that's going on here at Steelers training camp. Urban Meyer's gotten himself in a little bit of hot water, right? Or has he? We shall see. You've got the social justice warriors on Twitter.com saying he needs to get fired, he needs to get canned, he's got to say, see you later, he should no longer be the coach at Ohio State. And people are rightly saying Jim Tressel lost his job over tattoos and Urban Meyer's going to keep his job when domestic violence is the center of this conversation. And, okay, I understand where people are coming from there. I'm also not breaking any news when I say this. Coaches do the wrong thing all the time. All the time. Whenever it's not in the best interest of them or the program. And I just don't understand it. Art Bryles, man, just say something. Just say something. Then you're the guy who reported it. And players will still come to Baylor. They'd be in a hell of a lot better situation with you there now if you had said that than where they are at this point. And as far as Ohio State's concerned, Urban Meyer's in hot water. Maybe he does get fired. I doubt it. But he's not in any trouble. There is no scandal if he says, okay, my assistant coach, he's a bad dude. He's beating his wife. Joe Paterno, man, just come forward. Make sure it stops. Don't give the guy an office. It's not that hard. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I've lied about things in the past, but I lie whenever I need to lie. I don't think these guys needed to lie. I don't think any of them needed to lie. Why did Urban Meyer lie? Why are you protecting this guy? It is baffling me. I don't want to have a conversation about domestic violence. I don't want to have a conversation about what's right and wrong. I just want to have a conversation about why he's so stupid. Like, what the hell is his problem? Just say, oh, man, my coach, my assistant coach, my receiver's coach, this guy, beating his wife. I don't want that. We don't stand for that in this program. They've got a giant-ass banner when they walk onto the field that says respect women. And he's going to allow this guy to be around? Now, I suppose you could say if you're an Urban Meyer defender, and I'm sure that all of Ohio State is doing this, the entire state of Ohio, in fact, is doing this, they could say, well, his wife knew, but it doesn't mean that he knew. Yeah, okay, right. I'm sure she didn't tell him about her friend getting beat up or choked or thrown against a wall. Give me a freaking break. Urban Meyer, man. What are, you, what are you doing? I guess I shouldn't surprise anybody, though. Urban Meyer is a total sleazeball. Uh, most of these college coaches are total sleazeballs. But I don't get what's so hard about telling the truth in that circumstance. Now, if I had done something, if I'm a head coach of Ohio State and I effed up, oh, yeah, I'm lying my ass off. Oh, yeah, I don't want that coming out. I'm doing whatever I can. If I'm Hugh Freeze and I'm calling hookers, I'm trying to put that underneath the... Uh, tablecloth, right? I- I'm trying to make sure nobody finds out about that. But if I've got someone in my program who's doing bad things, just kick them out. Say, see you later, you're fired. Uh, it's better for you, it's better for the program, it's better for everyone. Tom, what the hell's going on here, man? I got no idea, man. Good, good contribution, appreciate that, thank you. I don't get it either. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Why? Would you lie in a situation when you don't have to lie? Lying is a good tool. 
I've done it very often, but only, as I said before, when I needed to. And it, what really confuses me, too, is if you just tell the truth, you come out as a hero, right? Yes! Like, yes! You just become even better. Like, Urban Meyer elevates himself even more if he just tells the truth right away. Yes! Right? They just have a bad conscience, I you know, guess. You guys know what I think it comes down to is a lot of these coaches get away with whatever they want. Like, on campus, they're somewhat of a god. Everybody bows at their altar. Sure. Everybody wants to kiss their ass. Everybody kind of gives them what they want in their own little ecosystem that is the college that they coach. So it, it develops that mindset that I can get away with anything. So if I just don't say anything... I'll never get caught because, hey, you know, I'm Urban Meyer, I, I, Ohio State. You can't mess with me. That's I, really th I think that's how they look at it. Yeah, that's the best, that's the best theory out there because I don't think that's a theory. I think that's spot the frig on. Uh, I, I think, though, that these guys need, as smart as they are, to be smart in this kind of stuff, too, because this is, this is what kills legendary coaches' careers. Not the on-the-field not the on stuff. That doesn't kill these coaches' careers. Uh, Joe Paterno's career, I mean, he would fade off into the darkness, and, you know, he died, and he'd still be remembered as the great one had that stuff all obviously not come up. Uh, Art Bryles was a hell of a football coach, as innovative as, as, innovative as they come. A guy who uh, took Texas high school football uh, to a job at Baylor, and then wound up being close to going to the national playoff. Uh, he's a great coach. These guys are going to have extended careers, longer careers, if they just weed out the bad apples as opposed to defend them. Uh, and that's what they do. They defend them. And I, I get your point, Brian. I do. But I think that needs to be the next evolution of head coach. Be good at coaching. Be good at developing players. Be good at recruiting. And also, don't be so obtuse when it comes to the obvious. Yeah, become human. Be good at being oh. human. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good way of putting it. I should, I should, have, been more, I should have been more succinct. Hey, no, you're right on it, man. I mean, and and that is, and it, another point on it is, is, is it comes down to protecting the shield mentality too, where these institutions are so big uh, and at all costs. I mean, Joe Pa's the perfect example of it, you know. And, and you, I'm sure the movie took liberties and stuff like that, but there's a couple scenes there where one not only does does Joe Pa understand what's going on, and he's like, "Why do we need PR people?" But on the other end, it, it's like he firmly believed that that Penn State was bigger than what was going on there. You know, he wanted to protect that school even before he wanted to protect himself. Almost, I say it all the time. That when you drive to State College, there's nothing around. Nothing at all. The only thing you see, though, for miles and miles and miles is Beaver Stadium. And it's the only thing that's on their mind. It's the only thing they care about, Penn State football. And because of that, it just harbors a place where these things can happen. And college football everywhere pretty much does that. Uh, I, I think if something were to happen in Morgantown, I think that football fans, a lot of them would do the same thing that they did at Penn State. I think that people at Baylor... Uh, they stick up for their football coach. I, I just think that that's the way it goes, and that's what makes Urban Meyer feel like he can do these kinds of things and hide these kinds of things. But uh, I think that maybe we should see coaches hire people, not PR people, but legitimate life strategists. Like that should be the, there should be offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and life coordinator. Somebody that they can talk to that tells them, okay, you got bad news. All right, you got to rat this guy out. Okay, no, you got to slide this one under the rug. Some things are worth hiding. Other things aren't. Recruiting violations, if you want to hide those, I get it. You don't want to get in trouble for that. 
If a guy's beating a woman and you tell on him and you fire him, guess what? You can't possibly be the bad guy. No, not at all. And some of them are very like on the. I mean, all in all, at the end of the day, like like you said, like a recruitment violation. That's innocent, really. To it, it's not real. It's a victimless crime almost. I mean, other than the school that might be your rival, but it's really victimless. Or victimless. But when when someone else is hurt, for God's sake, speak up. If anything like yes. that is going on, if another person is being hurt in any way and someone under your control is the person responsible for that, I don't understand it, man. I mean, you just got to go at them and, and get rid of them. It, it's the best for everybody on the table. It's best <laughs> for society. It's best for the kids that, you, that most of these coaches claim to care about so much. You know? Yes yes or no, Urban Meyer could have coached until he died at Ohio State if this didn't come up. Oh, he could have coached after he died. Like, they could have propped <laughs> him in their weekend of Bernie style, you know, and he could have just flung his arm up and down and things would have happened, and the fan base would have been just as happy. So even if you want to take the human element out of it, even if you want to not talk about the people who should be protected, and I understand why you go there, and I, I do think that that is the overall thing that should be taken away, even if you don't want to talk about that, it's about his own job security, and at that point, man, you've got to do what's best for yourself, which he didn't in this circumstance. What a maroon. Coming up next, we switch gears. We're at St. Vincent College in Trobe, live for Steelers training camp, which is still going on. Dale Lally will join us from the booth next. It's the Crowley Show.